Hello, everyone. Welcome to Walking with the Dead, an unofficial podcast about AMC's The Walking Dead. I'm Stephen Bueno. Cristian Cabrera. Cornel Montgomery. If you're new to Walking with the Dead, what we do is we talk about every week's current episode of The Walking Dead. So this week, we're going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 12, Not Tomorrow Yet. And I think, as far as the season goes, this is one of the harder episodes to watch. And usually when we say, when we're talking about The Walking Dead and we're talking about a hard episode to watch, it's because it's been dull and because it's been, there's not that much excitement. And this one, it's hard to watch because of the things that characters are doing. So, while the whole episode, not the whole episode takes place in the raid, uh, you know, there's a lot of buildup in the characters, but the main meat and potatoes of the episode is definitely when they go to Negan Center, I guess. Yeah, and I thought that the intro was kind of uh, off-putting. I don't know, I didn't get with the whole uh, very serene world they were living in, um, trying to act like nothing's changed. And then um, when was it, Rick shows up in the van and he tells him that we're going to go to war. Um, I actually thought that was after they got the food. Like, it made it seem like things were good because they can eat now. I don't know, that was weird. But um, I like the episode all around because it showed that a lot of these characters still have things they have uh, within themselves that can make them break. And uh, we saw that definitely with Glenn. He he definitely found it hard to do something, and and uh, he broke his character for a little bit. I want to go back to um, like like you kind of mentioned how it was at the beginning. It was interesting to see how Carol feels about the things she does because you only see Carol through how other people see her. You never really see her through how she sees herself. And it's interesting to see her in her room writing down the names of... Essentially, she's writing down the names of, like, all the people she's killed or when this event happened or when that event happened, how many lives she'd taken. Now, because we, uh... Because we kind of grown to know Carol from a person, like, as a person that just does whatever needs to be done, did you think... Did you think it was interesting that she is kind of carrying this very heavy burden? Or did you think that the character might have had that all along? I'm pretty sure... I mean, as as a person who actually likes Carol's character, I think she already felt that the whole way through. I mean, she did what she had to do because it needed to be done, but of course she didn't like it. I mean, just think about how she felt when she had to kill the two little girl, well, the little girl. Um, she definitely held that with her, and she she felt bad. I mean, even I'm not sure how many times she checks how many people she kills, but it probably isn't the first time. But um. She definitely carries a lot of weight on her shoulders right now. And she tries, she's probably, that whole intro could be her trying to separate that side of her by going out and doing these, these, um, what they call them, like, acts of goodness, acts of kindness, and um, trying to be a whole different person than what she's turned out to be. I, yeah, I kind of feel it that way where she doesn't want to be just sucked into that, you know? She doesn't want that to be her life because, you know, at the end of the day, and then throughout the episode, we kind of, they kind of talk about, like, um, how she is and how she fits into things. And that a conversation she has with Tobin that where he tells her that she does things that he finds horrifying, that he just, he doesn't understand how she can do them. And... It's almost like praise and fear at the same time. And I think one of the things Carol's learned is that people see her that way. And I, I don't I don't necessarily think that Carol likes that. But because of her mentality of I have to do this and I have to protect everyone, um, she can't she can't fit into any other role. So it's a very um it's a very tragic hero when you really think about it because she doesn't want to be that way, but she sees that that, that way of being is a necessity. 
almost. It's and good. it's got to be done. It it has to be done, and most of the episode kind of took place um, with Carol and and what was going on. Even though you know we did have the scenes with uh, with Morgan and her talking, and obviously you know Morgan had his objection at the church when they had the meeting and stuff like that. But I did feel like most of the episode took uh, most of the episode had focus on Carol, with the exception of the big event at the end. Well, I, I feel like it dealt more with the character, but um, I don't know actually no, yeah, you're right because it really was just that part. And then it showed Morgan doing his um his of course cry for let's not do anything, and then in the end it shows Morgan again. So yeah, the whole episode is either just the conclusion of last week's episode, and either the start of something new um with uh, Morgan, and just seeing that character uh, of Carol being developed even more, or even not being developed more, but being looked into more. I like the hesitation that they showed in all the characters because all of them were kind of thinking like, okay, this is something that has to be done. None of us are happy about it. And I think they really approached that subject through Glenn and Heath. So I think through them, you really saw that the most because Heath was the one that, that kept, um, that has that conversation with Glenn and tells him like, look, this is not something I've really done before. And this is something that I'm not, like, obviously I'm not okay with. And, but he's realizing this is something that we have to do as a whole. And I chose to be here. I chose to come here. And I, I essentially, I chose to kill these people. And I chose to have this blood on my hands. But it isn't until they get into the compound where you really see those choices and you really see their faces. From the very first kill where... Um, Rick takes them out. Where Rick kills oh, no, no, that no, no, dude no. sleeping. Are you talking about the, the first kill when, to the people that are sleeping or to the guys outside? Uh... Because even Maybe the way to they the... took down, even the way, um, I was going to say Rick, uh, what's his name? Daryl takes down the, the bodyguard was pretty brutal. Yeah, but it, it was one of those things that it seemed like they were a threat because they're, you know, they're, they're standing up, they're awake, they have guns. So you don't feel as bad for that. It's when you see them sleeping and when that look on Rick's face when he goes up to the first guy and how difficult it is to push a knife in the head of a guy that's sleeping. I thought, and those that whole scene when they're um, in the compound, I thought that was one of the hardest scenes to watch in The Walking Dead because it really, really showed how these guys are doing something that no one wants to do, but that has to be done because they have to feed their families because they have to you know, be able to survive. And I think it's one of the hardest decisions they've ever had to make because these this group never attacked them. They have no animosity towards them. They're literally going there to kill them. They're just maybe potential threats. Yeah. Because that was Rick's argument. And, you know, it's funny that that's Rick's argument, but I don't think at the end of the day he really believed that they they would have found them. I think that he had to keep telling himself that and he had to keep telling everyone else that so they felt better about going to the compound and killing them. I like that um, uh, Carol's character and Glenn, they both kind of didn't want the other people to to do that job so that they don't become who they are now. Because Glenn did it, and Glenn's never murdered anyone in his sleep. And when he did it, he felt terrible. I mean, it's hard for him to do. He basically broke down. But when it was Heath's turn, he, like, Glenn already knew how it felt. So he's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll take it for you because I don't want you to feel, because I already know you're apprehensive on doing it. I don't want you to feel the way I feel right now. And then same thing with Carol. She tells uh, Maggie, like, what are you doing here? I don't want you to, to change. I don't want you to turn. And Maggie's been in fights with, with people, with humans. She's shot, she's killed, she's murdered. Well, not murdered, she's... No, yeah, she murdered the the cannibals. So she's she's murdered. 
but not to the ex- extent she didn't want her to be Carol. You know, what's funny is that, uh, yeah, that was one, one of the cool interactions between her and Maggie and that I felt that Carol's mentality was you, you're embarking on something and you're starting a family and you have to be a, a particular kind of person and you doing this is not going to allow you to be that person. But what I don't think Carol sees is that it's a different kind of world that they're in. So her, Carol's version of motherhood and of what a parent should be has shifted a little bit. So... Maggie has to adapt to that. And essentially parenting in that new world is how they have to adapt. Like, um, and that's the way in which they'll adapt. And I see that that Carol still tries to hold on to that whole 1950s, I'm a housewife yeah. kind, of, the kind of thing. I mean, and she's not, like, she lost her daughter, she lost her husband. She's single and she lives at home. She's still making cookies for everybody because she still has a maternal instinct. But Maggie's got that mindset of, I still need to get all this stuff done because my husband's there and I want him to come back safe. But at the same time, Glenn wants her to be safe. So she should have stayed back. She's pregnant. She should have made sure everything was okay. But uh, in the end, I mean, it ended up being the complete opposite. You know, it's just, she screwed up. Let's talk for a second about how badass Jesus can be. And we already knew you he don't, was. You don't see it that much, but you you kind of know it. And I love the that whole, he takes off the jacket, he puts up the... The, like, scarf or whatever the hell he's wearing, he puts it up to his mouth, and they're like, what if they see you? Yeah, they're not going to see me. They're not going to see me. I love that. Oh, man. I I really wish we could have seen him do that much more because that is a character that I really want to see, you know, be in more scenes. And you you only get uh, a glimpse, essentially, of how badass he is because he does little things here and there, but you never see it. It's always in the shadows. It's always in the dark. Um, But I guess it fits the characters like Mystique, you know? Yeah. So towards the end of the episode, we get, uh, well, at the end of the episode, we start seeing this, uh, one of the saviors trying to make his way out of the the little compound, and they get him down, they get him down to the ground, and you hear on the radio a female voice, a female voice uh, talking to Rick, telling everyone to lower their weapons. Now, one of the coolest things about that is every time there's a radio like anytime there's someone on the radio talking to someone and they don't see him, it always brings me back to like Glenn and um, Glenn and Rick, Rick at the beginning of the series. Hey, dumbass. Yeah, hey, dumbass. Um, and and that I don't I don't know why that reminded me of that so much and just the way she interacted with him. But do you think there's a legitimate threat in the uh, in the woods for them at the moment? Or well, yeah, well, just remember before that scene, they literally were like, okay, it, I just don't know who Negan is. I wonder which one he was. And then the guy comes up with the motorcycle and they take him down. But as soon as they take him down, that radio. So there, I think that that's just a compound to a larger group, the larger society. Uh, and that is monitored by cameras because they had electricity and that power. So one thing I thought it was interesting is like, how big could the group possibly be? Cause they had a huge armory, man. When you saw Glenn and Heath just um, fall in there, they had weapons all over the walls. They had spears, which I thought was weird. But, I mean, I guess when you run out of ammo, why not? But uh, it definitely seemed that they had a uh, enough firepower for a small militia. Well, I think the spears are from the other guys. You know, just take away the weapons. Just because? Well, yeah. I mean, it, if they came and they're like, okay, we're going to take you over. You're like, what are you going to do with your spear? We got guns. So we're taking your, your weapons. But um, we also kind of forgot about Tara and her situation, how she, she confessed her love. And, and then also, um, Abraham left uh, Rosalinda. Rosalinda. 
So oh, yeah. those kind of there's a lot of small things that did happen that are gonna probably lead to something bigger later on. But it, you definitely saw the loss of love and then the start of one. But uh, Tara was she told her that she professed her love for her, so she didn't have to tell her that um she had killed before and she's done the same thing or she never really killed did she she didn't shoot uh she might have i'm not particularly sure because when they attacked the prison she was definitely part of like the raiding party but they all saw that yeah they all saw that um what the governor was doing wasn't necessarily you know the right thing to do but i mean let's face it if she was part of that group she might have just done that before you know like at another point in time no they get it because uh remember they found the uh, governor and his whole backstory, like he went to their apartment, so well, they true, were yeah. inside the house, and that was shortly after it all happened. So, I don't know. It's just weird that she was saying she's done it all before. She was involved with it. She was around it, but she didn't do anything. I guess she just holds that burden. Uh, just the fact that it didn't sit well. Oh, and then also the break of a character. We didn't think about the priest. He he finally grew some balls. <laughs> and he he did it his way, but he took out he killed a person for the first time, and um, did it with you confidence. Know, you know what it reminded me of? Um, Pulp Fiction when Samuel Jackson says his prayer yeah. right before shooting someone. Same thing here. <laughs> I uh, no, I definitely I liked seeing Gabriel do something because it's he's always been kind of whiny about it. He's always like, oh, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that. But Morgan's kind of taking up that mantle right now. To the extreme. He's actually more of an extreme pacifist than uh, the priest ever will be. Yeah, because, like... The you priest know, was a, more of a more of a chicken. Yeah, he didn't want to kill, not because he had a strong moral objection to it. I mean, obviously he did, but also because he was afraid to do so. Yeah. And he kind of wanted to die. He was afraid to live. So, um, that's kind of what... Uh, you know, that's kind of what Gabriel was. And now it sort of seems like Gabriel's character will s- turn for the better. Or... Or they'll just... I want to see if he's going to be included in more things or if this is just a precursor to be like, okay, we can get rid of him now or we can put him in harm's way and essentially he'll he'll pass away because of that. I thought he was going to die this episode. <laughs> in honesty, I was like, okay, in this scene, he's coming up to him and he's going to freeze up and get shot. But that was the complete opposite. So, What did you think Morgan was building at the end of the episode? I have no idea. I was trying to think about what it could be and I have no idea. I thought it was a prison or like a little jail cell. Or, yeah, that could be it. Because, you know, Morgan talks about giving someone a choice and and having them make that decision. Well, the cheesemaker essentially gave Morgan that choice by putting him in a cell. Maybe it's a cheese wheel. (laughs) It's a cheese wheel. He's crying because he doesn't want to make cheese. He's like, no, I can't. I can't forget my buddy. Uh, But, yeah, it was... It was definitely an interesting episode. And like, like I said, it was one of the harder episodes to watch because of that whole them having to go to them having to go into a group of like into a foreign group with who they've had no problems with ever and murder them in their sleep. It was the first time they were the mercenary, like they're being a mercenary for a group of people that they just barely met. And then also being the Raiders for the first time. Yeah, it, it definitely is them being the Raiders because, uh, even like during the time of the governor, when they when they go into the town, I mean they, they saved were, the people. Yeah, they were, and they were going after one person, liberating, you know. And it and in this situation, it was we're going to take them out and everything, and possibly even take their ammo and stuff. But they were doing it just in case, and that could be what all these other groups were doing beforehand too. So now their mentality of what the group should do is more for their survival versus the betterment of humanity. 
So we, the group. only person speaking for humanity is Morgan. Well, everybody else is on the same side of we need to just save ourselves. It'll be interesting how this plays out, especially because at the end of the episode, we do hear that Maggie and Carol have been taken. Now, we know that Carol's a big contender, dude. Like, she can definitely fight back. And we know that Maggie can to an extent, too. Um, but everyone's just kind of expecting this to be a precursor to Glenn. Yeah, uh, and it's definitely going to be. Throughout the episode, you know, we see uh, Glenn looking at all these photos on the wall of people getting their face bashed in. So I think they're laying the groundwork. I would love for it to um, to not be the case, but it it seems like that's where that's going. It has to. I mean, I really want that payoff. I mean, it sounds <laughs> terrible, but I, I want what I read to happen finally. Well, we'll see what happens within the next coming weeks. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Walking with the Dead. If you want to find out more of our podcast, you can head on over to filmbook.com that's film-book.com and either search for Stephen Bueno or Walking with the Dead and if you want to check out some of the stuff we do outside of these podcasts you can go ahead and find us at youtube.com slash League of Gents that's L-E-A-G-U-E O-F-G-E-N-T-S or you can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash League of Ordinary Gents that's G-E-N-T-S If you listen to this podcast on iTunes or any other podcast services, go ahead and rate and review this episode. If you listen to this podcast on YouTube, go ahead and hit that thumbs up video and leave a comment in the comment section. We definitely want to hear from you guys.